Welcome to a special softball preview edition of the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez with you here on what is counting, Eric, as our 200th ah. episode. Right on the button. And uh, I think it's rather fitting that we get to celebrate that with the sport that kind of brought us into the, brought us both really um, into the UCF fold back when we were students and that's uh, and that's UCF softball um it's uh it, it, it's it with this is, and this is a, an unusual situation for us that uh you know this year it's uh it, it's year number two under head coach uh Cindy Ball Malone um but there are a lot of good things to look forward to and this uh this could be a pretty interesting season don't you think it really is uh you know year two it's the biggest roster that the, the program's ever had. We got tw- 12 new faces on this roster, but yet you have a lot of players coming back at the same time. So it's fascinating from that standpoint. I mean, as we record this, we really, you know, there, and, and you'll hear when we have Coach uh, Bear on, there's still a lot of spots open here in the lineup offensively. And uh, yet it, it's a, a lot of excitement. They just had the op- their first ever opening day dinner. Uh, great way to kick off the season. Uh, they were held at Doubletree over the, over the weekend. Big, great turnout. I want to thank everybody that turned out. A lot of night fans and fans like that. And so there's a sense of excitement here. Now it's the question is, you know, can this team kind of build on that with a very difficult schedule? And believe it or not, Jeffrey, get back to the NCAA tournament for the first time in 2016 uh, to a lot of programs. That's not really a big deal, but that's here. That's a big deal. That's a, a mini drought, if you will. I mean, considering what all the other teams are doing. So, uh, just a fascinating year with a lot of interesting plot lines, some records that to follow, and uh, one of the most incredible schedules that will break down that I can remember uh, in history. All right, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the players. We've got uh, two interviews on this pod, one with uh, Coach Bear, Cindy Malone, that we'll talk about in this segment. Next segment, we'll also hear from Aaliyah White, UCF senior pitcher, their ace on the staff uh, as well. So this should be uh, – so this is a pretty jam-packed softball preview Remember, you can always follow us uh, at UCF underscore Banneret, fa- uh, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. Eric, you can follow Eric Lopez Ela, where you will once again be doing play by play for UCF softball on um, 14, 14 season. Wow. I mean, that's that's yeah. that's a pretty that's a pretty good track record, man. 14 years is a long wait. It's a long time to be doing any one particular team. So that's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good milestone. But. Uh, let's talk about some other milestones in terms of UCF softball. So, the Knights uh, last year uh, th- this will be their uh, th- this will be their 19th season of uh, softball. Uh, the Knights went 34 and 21 last year, finished 11 and 10 in the conference, which was fourth place. Uh, Sydney uh, Cindy Baumalone uh, also, by the way, up over 100 wins now after coming over from Boise State um, and. Really dove in on trying to on on composing a team that played the way that she believed. After you know eighteen years with under um, the great head coach uh, Renee Lourdes Gillespie, who's at Iowa now, um, there were some changes that uh, that Coach Bear felt needed to be made, and she began the process of uh, making them. So uh, I guess we'll start with this, Eric. What are the big storylines for UCF softball heading into this year? Well, I think it, it, it's going to be offensively, does this team improve from last year? I think they sort of, especially when they got to the second half of the year, struggled offensively, didn't hit, didn't drive in the runs they were expected. 
to do hit a bit of a spell. And I think they got some new faces, not to mention some of the players coming back and improving, improving that offense. Because the pitching staff was tremendous next year, or last year. It was a top 15, top 20 in the country in ERA, led by Aaliyah White and Brianna Vasquez, and they're both back. And then you add a pitcher like Gianna Mancha, who's a transfer out of Boise State's pitched in a regional, and obviously knows Coach Ball Malone very well. I think the pitching as strong as it always is might be the deepest UCF's ever had. Not necessarily the best yet, although they could certainly have the ability to be that. It's hard going to be hard to top 2015 with Mack and Shelby and what they did when they were 1-2 in the country in ERA. But they might be the deepest. They might have a lot of they have a lot of arms they have options with. And I think that's going to be some of the storylines there. And, you know, for Aaliyah White, a big year for her, as we'll get into later, uh, from a standpoint, there could be some records that she might break, uh, and, and we'll get into the position that is the UCF pitcher and what it means uh, in this university and this program. But, you know, I think that's the question. And, and remember, UCF this year is hosting the American Conference Softball Championships in or, uh, here at UCF. The last time they did, Jeff, you were in attendance when Samantha McClowski won the home, uh, hit the walk-off home run against Tulsa to win the championship in the one nothing. And, you know, there's a, look, there's a hunger there. There's a hunger to get back to that NCAA tournament. It's a hunger to compete and get to the conference championship. You know, the last two years, UCF was kind of knocking on the door in both and for the NCAA tournament. And just there were certain series, certain games that kind of went against them and uh, left them out. And uh, now I think they're trying to break through. So uh, I think that's going to be fascinating. Who steps up offensively? Who will be the starting catcher? Uh, how many catchers will they use? Remember Cassidy Brewer, Jeff, who's a top five offensive player and an underrated defensive player graduated. Uh, who steps into that? I think there's a, it's a fascinating uh, deal there. I mean, it's one of the first times, Jeff, in my years where I'm intrigued to get that opening day lineup box score. You know, that lineup when they introduce the lineup. I'm very interested to see who's playing where. And where you know, and where they are in the order, because it's going to be really interesting to see this battle. This is a very tight group. It was very competitive over the fall, and I think that'll bring out the best of this group. But if they could score enough runs, I think this could be a really fun year, an exciting year for the Knights to get back into postseason. You know, interesting stat I'll bring up before we go to co- your interview with Coach Barry. UCF was fourth in the American in team batting average at two sixty last year over 55 games but they scored under 200 runs in fact they were last in the american in total runs scored as a team with 191 so that's something that i know that it it seems unusual to have such a you know i mean a relatively good average houston led the conference at 291 ucf was at 260 um it seems weird to just have those you know have that high of an average and just not push any runs across right Called timely hitting. Yeah, uh, a lot of runners left on base. Uh, that's that's the key there. And when you you know they, they didn't have power in their lineup last year, so it's tough to manufacture runs that way. Now I think they got more speed this year. They might, you know, will they have more pop? It remains to be seen. We'll see what happens in the games. But uh, yeah, I think look, they, they know it, and uh, I think they know that's an area they want to improve on, and more specifically, scoring runs. I think they know they can get on base. Um, it's just a matter of getting that timely hitting. I mean. The team that won the league, South Florida, it wasn't that far off offensively. It's not like they were a juggernaut, but they had better timely hitting. And you know you've got the pitching, and you're going, and that's going to be a factor. If you can just get enough timely hitting, you're going to win a lot of games with this pitching staff. Now, keep in mind, you know, some of that is, is skewed because you're playing top competition. 
not only in the league but outside the league as well. But still, yeah, that you're right. That's that's an area where they know they got to improve on offensively. And really, let's be honest, Jeff. In all the years I've we've been covering the, this program, a majority of the time, that's kind of the key to the to the the season, right? We know you're going to get great pitching. There's the tradition of great pitching. The defense has always been good, uh, especially since Tiffany Jordan's been here as an assistant. Uh, I think their defense has been top notch. So the question is just the years when they've been successful and been a conference champion and an NCAA tournament team, they've had timely hitting and scored enough runs. 2015, 2014 and 15, they had everything. They had power and speed. But other than that, it's been timely hitting and maybe being aggressive on the base pads and manufacturing runs. And uh, they, if they can get back to that this year with that identity, which I know Coach is hoping for, uh, I think they got a great shot. All right, so let's uh, let's go right to it. Here is your interview, Eric Lopez, with uh, UCF softball head coach Cindy Fall Malone. And joining us now in her second season as the Knights head coach, of course, uh, Coach Bear, Cindy Ball Malone joins us here. Uh, coach, how you doing? The season's fight is here, ready to go. I'm doing great. I, yeah, I'm super excited. It's a uh... It feels like it took forever, and then it got here really fast, so we're excited about it. Now, we had a great time, obviously, at the uh, opening day dinner, the first ever in program history, and a lot of people showed up, a great attendant, uh, attended event, and a lot of excitement, and I'm just curious. It, it's got to feel a little different, maybe even a little more comfortable for you this time around this year than maybe when we spoke a year ago to this time as you were getting ready to coach your first game here at UCF, right? Oh, yeah. Um, definitely your – I'm a little bit more comfortable, know the area, know the weather, um, know the team a little bit more, and just the people and the support. So um, being able to have our dinners the other night and interact with our boosters, our fans, um, and our alumni, um, it was a pretty special event. So um, looking forward to this year, and, you know, like you said, that it's a, it's a comfortable home feeling, so we're loving it as a staff and as a family. And of course you got a team that is the deepest team in program history, big roster, which has created a lot of competition. You kind of alluded to that in the, in the opening night dinner, that this is going to be one of the hardest lineups to fill out even for opening day and beyond because the competition was that good and that, and you have that much depth and a lot of options. Just talk about this process in the fall and the spring with this roster and, and kind of getting ready here for opening day and the depth. Yeah, it's um, there's been quite a few sleepless nights uh, trying to figure out what that roster is going to look like or what that lineup the lineup's going to look like for the first game. And um, I think that the girls are doing a good job of you know making making me work hard and making me make those tough decisions because the competition is so great. Position you know each position where we just have that depth, and so um, I think. There, there are a few that have really separated themselves and uh, everyone on the, in the program knows those people will be in the lineup, but then there's a handful where we're still trying to figure that part out. So we've got a, our next couple practices to work the defenses together and see what works best um, against the opponents that we're facing and what kind of game we're going to bring that day. And so um, the exciting thing is, is we have options um, to play the, the game in a few different ways. Um, and so as a coach, having options is always a good thing. 
Well, especially with your style, you like to use your bench even in a in a starting night. You're gonna bring you're not you'll bring players in during the game either for offensive purposes or defensive purposes for matchups uh, and like to mix it up even and and this could also pay off handy. You know, a player may not start the first game, but it certainly could be available to start the second game and keep the team fresh throughout the year instead of wearing down. Sure. No, I mean, that's always been our thing is um, our goal is obviously to have the ability for our lineup to be able to attack or erode the pitcher. And so one pitcher shouldn't be able to just beat our entire lineup. Um, So having different strengths where people hit the down ball better, the up ball better, they hit off speed better and defensively some people maybe play the power game better and some people play the short game better and so having those options allows us to be consistent against any type of team that we're going to face talk about you know you have a lot of new faces here coming into the roster via different ways coming on as a transfer obviously coming in as as freshmen they're going to make impact on this team but blending them in with the players that are returning because i you know i'm talking to at the banquet there at the opening night dinner and even the players mentioned it how this is the tightest group they've ever had been around with a team which is saying something with this size of a roster and but they've traveled they've gone to basketball games they hang out off the field just talk about that chemistry that they've developed here uh really uh, maybe the best chemistry they've had in a while yeah well as you're talking about it it just it brings a huge smile to my face i mean i can bring any type of culture that i want in but it really takes the the team to buy in and in this case we have a strong group of leadership um and so that senior class it knows what's on the table. Um, they know that they, they need to get to postseason. Um, and not just that they need to, but they want to. They want to get this program back where it was and where it needs to be and continue to move forward. And they want to leave it better than they found it. And so um, they're the ones, you know, maybe I, I could give them ideas or suggestions, but they're the ones that put it into play every day because, They're with their teammates in the locker room. They're with their teammates in classrooms and study sessions. I mean, they're, they're with each other all the time. And um, we haven't been tested yet with that lineup. And that's one of the biggest, the biggest tests to team cultures and team um, chemistry. Um, But bringing in two new faces mid year. And then, like you said, having um, the other 10 brand new faces, um, at the fall, they've really invited everyone because they want to be competitive and win. And even if that means that, you know, they may lose their job for that day. Um, but they see the bigger picture and the bigger picture is they want to see UCS on the screen, um, come selection Sunday. You also feel like, especially the returning players, they now know what to expect on a daily basis. Where, let's be honest, I mean, like last year, even going through the season, they're still learning your, your style and, and, and what you expect from them. And you probably were still learning them and their personality and their trade and what makes them tick. Whereas now I kind of feel like there's no hesitation. They know what's, what's, what's expected here. There's no surprises from that standpoint. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing is, you know, um, coaches can have all different types um, of models and uh, personalities. And, you know, following Coach Gillespie, um, she did such a great job here. And uh, we probably are the exact polar, op- you know, the polar opposite of each other um, in maybe how we tackle things or handle things and still getting the same result. We would just do it in different ways. And 
I think the biggest thing um, that I've learned in my coaching time is I can't be someone else. And so just being straight up with them and them adapting to the change has been awesome. And so you, you have those winning moments when you see something happen in practice and you, I'm getting ready to go approach it. And then a senior steps in and goes, hey, this is how we do it here. Um, and they've taken it on as their own, not just, oh, this is how Coach Bear wants it. This is how we do it here. Um, and so that, that's refreshing and it's nice. And again, through my experiences, I've learned, you know, we, we have the protocol the way we do. We have our culture the way we do. We really instill our five core values and, um, you know, how we do anything is how we do everything. And so we make sure that there are no small things and, you know, we take care of the people in our program. And um, I just, I love that the, the girls are reminding me of, the way we operate. And that's when you know you have something special and it's not just the person that brought the ideas. And again, it's, it's the people that we are working with. Our staff, um, they've completely bought in and, um, you know, just us having the opportunity to learn from the girls every day because sometimes they see more and know more than we do at, at points. And so um, to have them so invested in what we're trying to do here, not just on the field, but in the classroom, in the community, and in that locker room and in this building of, you know, we we want this program to be something special and be different and appealing in all aspects. Let's talk about a couple of new – two of the new faces on the roster and Justine Molina and, and uh, Gianna Mancha. They come over from Boise State. You know them well. You've coached them at Boise State. They bring kind of that experience. They played in the NCAA tournament when you led them to Seattle Regional two years ago. Uh, and they were even a part of last year's team that over there at Boise when they were in the tournament. Talk about that experience they will bring, having that been through a postseason, having to battle in a conference and having to win a conference championship and having that intangibles that wasn't on this roster, honestly. UCF obviously hasn't made the tournament since 2016. So talk about the value that those two young ladies bring uh, to this team uh, as well as their obviously talent on the field. Sure. Um, well, I mean, you know, in, in the softball world, when we had the, um, before the – the new rule we've had that early commitment and so I've known these young ladies since their freshman sophomore years in high school and now them being juniors in college I mean they know who I am they know my expectations um, they know how I how I think about the game and so they're able to um, sometimes put that into action to where our, the rest of our team got to see it and then they just took off with it and so um, again you talk about something that could be kind of a sensitive topic of um, bringing someone from, from an, a previous school and, and whatnot. And um, the girls, the girls get it and they, they want to be where they've been. So having that experience, knowing, I think the biggest thing that they're teaching these girls is the play, recover, play part. You know, it, you're going to get knocked down. You're going to give up a big hit. You're going to make an error. How are you going to respond and how are you going to do it again? And, you know, still keep that smile on your face and keep rolling. And so um, they could do everything perfectly, but the girls, the, the rest of the team has really taken um, ownership and just in, it welcomes them in such a way of they're a part of our family and they want what they've experienced. And so it's, it's fun to see that. And then you have another one, um, Georgia Blair, who is, also has postseason experience, international experience, um, and I feel like I've got another coach on the, on the staff because 
she's just so seasoned when it comes to um, situations, strategy, why we do it, how we do it. And they see her doing it. And I see these girls practicing game stuff on their own. You know, anyone can go and just work on their swing and work on driving the ball. But I see these girls actually practicing slapping and bunting and things that they want to do to, you know, just give us that edge when the game is on the line. So it's, it's, again, it's pretty, pretty powerful to have those experiences um, and, and that experience on the team now, but it's also even more powerful to see how the rest of the team has welcomed it. As the season gets going and people come out to see your team, what would you think is what you want the identity of your offense to be? Does it have the identity? What's kind of what they can expect when they see your offense in display? Yeah, well, um, I think the biggest thing we want our identity to say is dynamic. We're, like I said, one pitcher is not going to beat the entire lineup. Um, we're striving to have speed, power, um, play the game fast, um, you know, score runs, get runners on. I mean, really looking at the on-base percentage, the slugging percentage, um, things like that, and then, you know, not giving up outs when we don't have to. And so uh, putting the game in motion is is what we want to be able to do. And we have the skills and the, t- the, the tools now um, to have that type of dynamic lineup. And, again, it's, it's still going to be young, and we're going to, you know, we're going to have some rough games here and there, but – um, they, they're starting to identify themselves as a team. And now it's just putting it into action. They did it in the fall. We scored more runs in the fall. You know, we put up power numbers in the fall. And so we're hoping to continue to keep doing those things and see those results in, in this season. You mentioned how you still it's gonna be tough on lineup, but also defensively, you got your tremendous defense led by Kira Clarkowski. Everybody knows about the great catch she did against Florida last year, but she's been tremendous at center field, and I feel like has take has stepped up her level from a leadership standpoint, and not only leading them on defense but offense and just the entire clubhouse there. Talk about Kira and the important and the value that she brings, and what a great player and really leading the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. I, you know what, Kira, again, there's, a, there's another kid that you think you'd, she's just like another coach on the staff. I mean, she cares uh, tremendously about this program and each individual in it. And um, when you talk about leader, that's definitely one of them. You know, I don't want to share too much information about inner circle stuff, but after our dinner um, on Saturday night, she pulled the team together and she said, this is something special ladies and we have to recognize it and be a part of it. And she just, she, she really got them to stay in the moment and stay present and realize how lucky privileged and just blessed we are to be in the position we are. And so that, you know, maybe that doesn't equal into how many RBI she's going to have or anything like that, but um, the type of leader that she is in all ways um, that she can be, I'm expecting to see her lead this offense as well. And she's worked very hard over the summer um, to get where she needs to be to define her identity um, as an offender. And, um, you know, her defense, I've said it before, I've, I've had the ability to coach with some of the best outfielders in the world. And I'd throw Kira out there without any hesitation. Um, her, just her her just keen sense to be able to read a ball off the bat. I mean, it, it's amazing. It's fun to watch. 
we just have to remember to snag her out of shagging and tell her to come hit every once in a while, too. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She enjoys that defense. I'll tell you. I've never seen a kid that just enjoys being in the outfield and uh, just going all out. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things I tell the pitchers here. Hey, you've got, a, you've got an outfielder that loves what she does. Feed the beast. Feed the beast. So, you know, we're not afraid to attack people up in the zone because we've got Kira out there and we, we use it to our advantage. So, but again, you're going to see that you're going to see her identity um, come out even more on the other side of the ball. And I'm really excited um, to see how she allows that process to work out. Of course, we talked about Gianna joining the pitching staff, and of course, a deep pitching staff. You got Brianna Vasquez coming back. You got some new faces on the pitching staff, but of course, the leader of the staff is Aaliyah, Aaliyah White in her senior year. Just talk about her growth, getting to work with her last year, and then going into this year, not only being the leader on the field, but leading this pitching staff. Uh, a staff that last year was among the best in the country, top 15, and might be even deeper this year than even uh, last year. Yeah, no, it was, it's, it's been exciting since um, the beginning of the fall and um, just kind of seeing what all the pitchers bring. And you would think that Aaliyah is kind of the, the leader in all ways and the teacher in all ways. And I think the most impressive thing about Aaliyah is she's always looking to get better. And so she's following like, okay, what does Gianna do? She, she's been in this situation. She's been in this position. What can I learn from Gianna? What can I learn from Bree? What can I learn from the other freshman pitchers? And um, and so it's it's really exciting to see how she still is trying to get that edge, even though she was, you know, like you said, one of the best pitchers in the nation last year. Um, and then the rest of the staff, they're they're not too bad themselves, and so they they also that competition in the bullpen is fun to be a part of, fun to watch, and. Um, you know, if we have an off day with one of them, they've got someone else that can come and pick them up. And so that's the name of the game because these hitters are so darn good now with all of the information they have. Um, and so it's just, it's awesome to see that these kids, they have it, but they still understand that it's, they don't just have it. They need to get more and they're, they're constantly thirsty for more. So that's, it's a fun part to be a part a fun group to be a part of. And like with the depth that you have, it creates that internal competition and brings out the best of everybody, which, you know, you can't, you know, that it's, you know, and that's always sounds cliche, but when you see what a player sees an equal of theirs, that's just as good, just as talented, they know, Hey, I got to raise my game. If I want to get, you know, playing time and earn the playing right and show to the coaches. And I'm mean, I imagine you've seen that throughout the fall, that level rise and probably bring out the best of a lot of the players on the roster, if not all of them. Oh yeah. I mean, the other thing it does too is if someone knows they've they've won a spot and you know the others know they've won a spot, they can't they can't just sit on that because we talk we talk about like you got to pay rent because if uh, if you are sleeping one day, someone else is going to come up and snap your job. And so um, I think that that's exciting too is that competition that within itself is we're not competing against our opponent, we're competing against our best selves and. Um, it, it's fun to see that, and it's fun for them to get excited for each other too when they recognize those great things happening. You're gonna get you're gonna get asked about this throughout the year, but your schedule in particular is incredible. And I mentioned the, the stat here: you got the ACC tournament champions on your schedule, Florida State. You got the two Pac-12 champions, the co-champions, 
Washington, who's preseason number one, coming to the complex. You got UCLA as the national champions are going out to California to play them. You got the Big Ten champions, Michigan coming, uh, playing them out in California. You've got the SEC tournament champions, Florida. They come to our house uh, this year. You got Minnesota on the schedule. They went to World Series. It's an incredible schedule. Uh, just talk about the philosophy, but I also know it, that in talking to you about it, you wouldn't have made the schedule that you did if you didn't believe in your team and your girls that they can handle the schedule and be successful with it and playing the very best of the country and bring out the best in your team. Sure. Well, I knew it was tough, but when you started to mention all that stuff, Elo, um, I kind of was like, whoa, you know, some you, you got to – it's kind of like going or ordering food when you haven't eaten in a little while. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I would say um, these girls wanted big. They, they want to be on, on um, the big stage. They want to be there. And I, I can only give them the best opportunity for them to be prepared for that. And so we know what's ahead of us. We know it's going to be tough. There's literally no opportunity for us to, there's no such thing as easy anyways, but, um, they're loving it. I mean, when I, we had a meeting in the fall and I said, okay, here's the fall, here's the spring schedule. And you just saw them like, look at it and their eyes kind of got big for a second. And then all these grins started to show up and they thought like, heck yeah, we want this. This is where we want to be. This is what we dreamed of. And it's just going to prepare us for a very strong conference. Um, our conference is one of the best. Um, getting, you know, typically three to five teams in a year. And so um, I, I think they love it. They love the the part of, you know, the tougher it gets, they want to play better. And so um, it's, it's going to be a fun, interesting test. And we all have to remember that we could probably play our best game and maybe not come out on top. And that's okay because the next game, it's, we'll, we'll, we'll get them. And so um, – this game is a funny game. It's a game of inches. It's, it, um, it definitely finds people. And so we're excited to take that test and run with it and take one game at a time. I think that's the biggest challenge for me as a coach is being in the moment, um, especially with the schedule and knowing what it could set us up for, um, but still enjoying each moment and each day with this group because it is a special group like you've said before. And- and, and and the thing that really makes it easy is they came here p- to play this type of schedule. They play a national schedule. It's, the, it's the, that's not foreign to them. They're used to playing a big schedule. It just so happens there's you know different teams, but it's a big national schedule. And it's also a message I would assume for future night players that come here that hey, you can come here because you're going to play the very best in the country. That's why you come to UCF is to play the very best. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I what better place, you know, we're, we're in a great spot. We are in a great conference and we're in a a program and a school that's still so young and and thriving under our, um, our leaders and Danny White and Brandy Stewart, you know, and so I think it's, it's exciting to see where this program has been and where it can go with the support that we have. Two last things. Uh, you had a great, exciting summer. You got were part of the U.S. Junior National Team, won the gold medal, uh, coaching with Heather Tarr, Tim Walton, the Florida Gators head coach was on the staff as well, uh, among others. But you win the gold medal. What does that mean to you personally to be a part of the U.S. staff and the Junior National staff and win the gold medal and uh, have a great summer there? And that experience had been uh, pretty exciting for you uh, for throughout for your career. Yeah, well – 
it, it meant so so many things, right? I mean, I'm getting to work as, alongside one of my biggest mentors in the game, Heather Tarr. Um, she's why she's a big reason why I'm in the the role that I'm in right now and why I love the game the way I do. Um, and then to work alongside Tim Walton and Tony Baldwin, I mean, what, what a great board of directors to be able to just reach out to and just learn from um, and all the experiences they've had. And so for me, it was fun to kind of step back and be an assistant coach. And um, one of the biggest things that I kind of saw is just that relationship from an assistant coach standpoint with the other coaching staff and the players um, and seeing what the players are thinking and seeing now, because some of our players won't tell me things that they'll tell our assistant coach. And so getting that perspective really opened up my eyes to, all right, we're going to approach this year in this way. And um, I mean, winning gold was obviously, that's what we had sought out for. It was constantly a gold medal effort every day. Um, we had an amazing group of young ladies that um, competed for our country and what a pitching staff to work with. Holy cow. I mean, and, and just, they, they weren't only great athletes, but they were incredible people as well. And so um, that experience just in itself, um, what an amazing experience. And to go out the way we did, it just, uh, it was like icing on the cake. Um, but everything that I uh, learned and, went through with that opportunity I'm trying to take and bring back to our program to make us better stronger and uh, more educated in the game it sets up an exciting tone for the start of the season here after a great summer coach uh, gets going on Thursday February 6th UCF will host Indiana check out UCFnights.com for all the details coach always a pleasure thanks for taking the time and uh, I'll see you out there at the complex later in the week no thank you Elo thanks for everything that you do for our sport and there's Coach Bear joining us here in her, uh, of course, beginning her second season. And Jeff, I think you got to hear there much, very relaxed, Coach. I think uh, I think she's much more comfortable this year, as she mentioned in the early in the interview. You know, last year you're still learning on the fly, right? You just moved in. You're moving in from Boise to Orlando. You're learning your roster. You're learning the school. You're learning the, your surroundings. Now everything is kind of settled in on. I think there, and I think that's you take that from what uh, I think you heard her talk about. We'll talk about the schedule, obviously. In a little bit, but what a great summer for her, as you mentioned there at the end, being an assistant coach on the U.S. Junior National Team with Heather Tarr, the head coach at Washington, and Tim uh, being the head coach of that team, and then Tim Walton was an assistant, the Florida head coach. Both of them will be on the UCF schedule this year. Winning that gold medal and winning the gold over Japan in the Junior World Championships, the under-19 up in Irvine, California this summer. And really, and, and the thing that impresses me about her, I've gotten to know her a little bit now here the two years, she is somebody that, that, that like loves to get information and learn about more you know information. She'll pick people's brain and coaches and uh, always is looking for a way for her to be better, uh, which is always fascinating to me. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to see her this year. Uh, as you saw last year, she she's not afraid to. She will use her bench. She will go to the pinch hitter. She will use her, she will use her depth to her advantage. That is for sure. And I think regardless of who ends up starting. I think a lot of players are going to have playing time. And as I've told people, you better have your box scores ready because there will be some back-and-forth moves there. But I think she feels good about the depth of this team and she feels good about the talent. Now it's a matter of proving it on the field. All right. So thanks again to Coach Bear for her time. When we return, we'll talk about the roster coming in. 
what does it look like for UCF as they head into the 2020 season? And we'll also hear from UCF star pitcher Aaliyah White when we return on the special UCF softball preview edition of the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. We're back after this. Welcome back to our special UCF softball preview edition of the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you. Uh, last segment, we heard from head coach Cindy Ball Malone. And now I want to talk about the players that she has uh, at her disposal. So here's the deal with UCF this year. Five seniors on the roster. Um, most notably, uh, most notably, obviously, Kiana East will be uh, joining uh, the night who joined the Knights in January of last year. But four other veterans who've been around for a while: Jasmine Esparza, Aubrey Johnson, Kira Klarkowski, and uh, Aaliyah White. So a good class of senior leadership here for uh, for the Knights, Eric, both uh, both on the diamond uh, and in the circle uh, as well, and they're going to be counted on. Uh, to make sure that you to try, to try and get UCF back to uh, the NCAA tournament, perhaps in these players uh, last season. Seems kind of hard to believe that they're all seniors now, but here they are. Yeah, it really is. And, and seeing them in the growth of them. And, you know, you mentioned that senior class. Let's talk about Kira Klarkowski. You heard Coach Bear in the interview talk about her. And I, I saw her in the fall. She is definitely 100% healthy. She's ready to rock and roll. She's been a tremendous defensive player. Uh, throughout her career at center field. You know, we, we, we unveiled that all-decade softball team, Jeffrey, uh, weeks ago on BlackAndGoBanneret.com, and she made the second-team second all-decade team, and I put her defensive numbers. It's as good as any as far as a center fielder's had in this program. I think Vanessa Perez slightly has a better fielding percentage and more assists from the center field position. That's it. She's just as good. So she's got a chance to defensively go down as maybe one of if not the best center fielders depending on how the year that she has but the other big thing about her is I've seen her healthy at the plate and offensively she's looked great you know she had a great freshman year was all conference was healthy hitting over 300 and it's kind of you know wasn't 100 percent healthy the last couple years but now she's feeling good she's feeling fit I've talked to her she's feeling confident I expect her a big year from Kira Klarkowski just from the standpoint as you know a lot of times juniors going to that senior year, they know this is their last opportunity, and they, for whatever reason, it, it raises their game. And I expect the same for Aubrey. Aubrey is a player that can play the infield, can play the outfield. I think she's somebody that I think Coach Bear, as well as Jasmine Esparza, she can use in a lot of different places. Uh, you know, Aubrey can DP, can play the outfield a little bit, can play in the infield a little bit. I think Jasmine can play first base, can play third, can catch. Um so there's a couple of utility players there and their roles there. And I think that's very uh, potentially a big factor there uh, for them uh, offensively. As we look, you know, we talk about them offensively and defensively. And I think uh, there's no question to me that they will lead this team, especially the youngsters that are coming in. And I think they have helped this become a, a real tight group. Uh, I've seen them at basketball games. I've seen them at the UCF football games. They, they hang out together a lot. And I can see that, and I think if the you know they will help lead the way, and they're hungry. They know when they got here, they want to get to the NCAA tournament. They want to compete for the conference championship. They know that the conference championship tournament uh, will be here at UCF. So I think they understand. You know, this is a great opportunity for them, and I expect them to leave it. You know, cliche as it sounds, leave it all on the field, and I, I expect each individual to have a big part in the whatever success we have uh, this season. Let me ask you about the, um, the the players who are veterans but non-seniors. Who are you expecting to 
be a player who is ready to emerge as a star this year? It's a good question. Considering, I think, like I said, there's some spots still open in the starting lineup. But let's just kind of project, and this is just my own speculation. This is not coming from anybody else. It's just me watching game, the practice, the the fall ball and stuff. Let's start with Denali Shopacher, who I believe has hit 333 her first two years, which is tremendous. I think it's second best all time. Right. Program history. Tremendous slap hitter. Could play right field. That's where I expect her to be at right field most of the time. Uh, could hit top of the order. Could get on base, has a great arm in in, in uh, right field. I think Shopacher is a kid that could certainly take that next level. Very bright, super smart. She's a junior, uh, but she's already on schedule to graduate really soon. She, uh, I don't know how she did it, uh, but she's she's going to graduate. And, and 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 very smart, bright kid, uh, has a great knowledge of the game. Well, and and I think she's a kid that could be a star to name to watch to keep an eye on, as far. As the returners are concerned as well. I mean, the other one too. And I'll be curious. If, I'm assuming if she starts at short. I mean, Takia London has a lot of upside. Uh, she came in last year's, you know, from Chiefland, Florida. Played shortstop, a little raw, but has great range. I remember defensively at short, they played her last year. She made some incredible play. She made a great play against South Florida. I talked to Ken Erickson about it afterwards. Ken Erickson's now this year the U.S. Olympic head coach. He compared the play that London was making at short to Natasha Watley, who's this legendary Olympian. Tells you how highly he thought of Takia London. So, you know, does London, you know, but London's got to improve her offensively a little bit. So, you know, she, if she's able to hold on at shortstop, she could be another factor. But I think Shopacher, I feel the most confident there as, as far as the returners are concerned. And then we'll see how everybody else fits in and what roles they have. I mean, I mentioned the catching position, I think, is fascinating. Carissa Ornelas returns. Does she start uh, as a sophomore? They could go with Jasmine Esparza, potentially, as a catcher. They could go Juliana Wilson, uh, who's a young freshman this year coming in as a catcher. So I think that's what's fascinating to me is what there's how, there's so many different questions about this lineup that it's uncertain, you know, what their roles are and on a given daily basis. And even if you don't start the first game or two, you might get a start the third game or fourth game. And I think that's part of the depth that they have built here. And they hope it could pay off for them this year. Whereas maybe they felt like because of lack of depth uh, in the last couple of years, maybe they kind of felt short down the stretch in the season. And maybe that's one of the reasons why they felt short of the NCAA tournament. Well, one of the places where they don't have a shortage of depth uh, is definitely in the circle where uh, UCF was one of the best, uh, was actually the best uh, team in the American in terms of pitching, uh, led the league in uh, ERA uh, at 1.88 combined, which is pretty amazing when you think about it, uh, and two of the top pitchers uh, in the conference as well with uh, Aaliyah White, who, had a, who was 23-14 and 14 last year with a 1.61, and Brianna Vasquez, who was also under two in ERA, still finishing at 11-7 and seven on the year. Uh, they combined for some 360 plus innings uh, between the two of them, and uh, and they're, we're probably going to need to expect a little bit more out of that even this year um, as well. Uh, and uh, we actually hear from Aaliyah White uh, in the interview that you conducted with her as well, Eric. So uh, without further ado, here is UCF senior pitcher Aaliyah White on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. <laughs> Joining us now, of course, she is a senior out of Lando Lakes, Florida. She is a multiple-time All-NFCA performer, 
all-conference performer. She's an all-made American Conference all-academic team. She's in the top four in many of the major UCF pitching categories historically. I speak of Aaliyah White joins us now. Uh, how you doing, Aaliyah? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. So this is your senior year. Has it hit you yet that it's your senior year? I mean, I feel for me personally, it's a little weird. I feel like just yesterday I was meeting you as you were walking in as a freshman and pitching in the fall and learning the campus. What's it been like for you there? It's been awesome over here at UCS. It definitely hasn't hit me yet that I'm a senior. I definitely feel like I just got here as well. Um, This university is so awesome. The coaching staff is great, and I'm ready to tackle senior year. What uh, let's talk about the summer you had because you got a chance to play in the Canada Cup, uh, which not a lot of people get to do. That's one of the marquee tournaments internationally across the country, uh, and get a chance to play teams like Team Canada and Canadian National Team, which you also got to do last year in exhibition with UCF. What was that experience like for you to be part of that and playing in Canada in the summer with some of the best players in college as a team playing against some of the best teams uh, across the, the country? The Canada Cup was such an awesome experience. I was super fortunate and super lucky to have that opportunity, especially to play with against and with some of the best people, like you said. Um, that was definitely a trip of a lifetime and definitely challenged me uh, just to be ready for senior year and honestly just have the trust and confidence that I can do it. So now that helps you get to your senior year, as you mentioned. What has it been like with this group? It's a big roster here, but I've gotten a sense seeing the team hanging out at UCF basketball games and at football games and other functions. This is a pretty tight group, maybe the tightest you've had since you've been at UCF. Just talk about this group here, this 2020 Knights edition of this team. This group is definitely the tightest and closest that it's ever been in my previous four years here. Um, I just think we have great chemistry. We work together well, and we definitely have that goal in mind and determined to achieve that goal. Let's talk about the pitching staff. You got to, you're the veteran. You're the leader of this pitching staff. Uh, what is that like for you being the senior? And what, what do you tell the pitchers uh, as far as what does it mean to be a UCF pitcher? Because as you know, there's, a, leg, there's a, a legacy that comes with it, uh, being a UCF pitcher and, and being on campus there. What have you told your staff uh, as the leader of the staff kind of what to expect and what, what's expected from being a UCF pitcher? Well, this pitching staff this year is definitely also the closest, that, um, closest staff that I've been a part of uh, this year at UCF. And... I really just try and tell them, you know, like, especially for me knowing the pitchers ahead, I there's been a big legacy to fill and just that, um, just to try and uphold and improve that. Uh, coming as a senior here, there's a lot of pressure and responsibility, but I know for me, I take that as a challenge and it's such an honor to be able to wear this jersey every game day and... For me as a senior and leaving this pitching staff in the next couple months, um, I just hope that I leave a legacy that for them and for the future Knights that um, will be remembered and that they can continue to strive for and uphold as well. What is it about this staff that stands out to you as far as you mentioned? It's the closest that you've uh, been a part of, but you've got, of course, you got Bree coming back. 
for her sophomore year. You got some new faces coming in via, obviously, coming in as freshmen and as transfers. Like, uh, for example, G, uh, Gianna Mancha coming in as a transfer. Kajemi's coming in as a transfer. You got Maddie Davis, freshman, just coming from, uh, obviously, from the Jacksonville area. It's a deep staff, but uh, what is it? A what? How have you all been very connected? Why is it such a tight group? Um, I think we all have different personalities that we bring to the bullpens and to the pitching staff this year. We all work well, and I just remember when I first met them and it was our first bullpens together, I was like, listen, girls, you know, um, we got to lean on each other. We got to be there for each other, no matter who's starting, doing what, this and that. Um, Because when it comes down to 56 games, we're going to need to rely on each other and to be there for each other. So I think just having those different personalities and really just um, each bringing our unique thing to the table has really balanced us out. Let's talk about the seniors on this team. Uh, of course, you came in at the same time as ja- Jasmine Esparza did, as well as Aubrey Johnson did, of course, as well as Kira Klarkowski did. Uh, Kiana East came in as a transfer. But what? talk about this senior group and, uh, you know, what, and the leadership you all provide for the team. Yeah, this um, senior class is definitely something special. We've had our ups and downs through our four years here, but we've definitely grown and we're coming out better better people um, for sure. I think that we each bring our own energy. Um, some of us talk a lot. Some of us um, lead by example. And some of us are the more quieter ones. But I think that just us as seniors together work really well as a whole. And we just strive to bring that out to the field and um we're definitely aware of what our individual contributions are to make this team 19 better talk about kira specifically and what she brings to the table center field great defense with the glove and obviously this year's obviously he's with the bat obviously he's had a good fall and things what makes Kira Klarkowski so uh, uh, special and important to your team? Because she, you know, her defense in the outfield helps your pitching staff as well with making some great plays. Everybody's seen by now the highlights of that catch she made at Florida last year, but she does that on a regular basis, the routine play and the outstanding plays, and and uh, makes life a lot easier for your pitching staff. Right. Kira's a heck of a ball player. She makes plays that I have seen not many girls make. Um she makes the, the hard plays look easy, and she works really hard and takes pride in her defense. Um, and we, we have this thing every time that I point to her in the outfield when I'm pitching, and she'll point back to me, and it's like, hey, I got your back. Um, and we've just always done that, and that's kind of like our routine. But she um, is definitely one that leads by example, and she puts the work in, and it definitely pays off, and we're so lucky to have her on our side and to be – um, out there for us making those huge plays and honestly sometimes saving our lives. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. And then you got Jazz who is, is does everything that's asked of her, can play first base, can play catch, can play where, in a lot of positions. And Aubrey as well. Last year Aubrey had to play, has played second short in the outfield since she's been here. Just talk about what Jazz and Aubrey bring to the table and the versatility that they have and to this team. And, you know, like I said, they've been here since day one like you have. Right, Jazz and uh, Aubrey, they're definitely both versatile and they'll do anything that coaches ask for them. Um, super energetic. Uh, Jazz talks nonstop to talk your ear off. Um, but you need that as a pitcher. You need someone to be right there next to you, cheering you on and knowing that they'll have your back and make that play for you. Aubrey does the same. Aubrey's super 
talkative as well. Um, and she'll, she'll do anything that coach says or whatever. She's super positive and just, you know, again, being there for everyone and just wanting the best for, for this team. And she'll do anything that takes, um, and whatever that role is. Who's the comedian on the team? Who's the one that like cracks a joke there when like uh, and just kind of keeps everybody light there, or either on purpose or they're just naturally funny? Um, I think the comedian on the team I would have to say is either Bree Vasquez or Maddie Davis. Maddie is a freshman and she brings the craziest energy I've ever experienced. But she's always saying random things, and sometimes it don't even make sense. But in the end, all of us are laughing in a circle, and even the coaches are laughing. <laughs> That's good. That's pretty good. Uh, we're speaking with Aaliyah White here, uh, getting set for the 2020 night season. What's been your thoughts on the new fa- on the new players that have come in, and then how, as a senior, and you as as well as Jazz and Karen, the leaders on the team, how do you take them in and kind of show them the ropes? Because at one time you came in, and you know you had Brittany Solis and you had Linnea Goodman there, but that was about it as far as the seniors were concerned. It's a young team. Now you've got more experience, but yet you know, you kind of show them the ropes not only on campus but off campus as well with what's going with this huge campus at UCF. I think um, as seniors, uh, our freshman year, we had great people to show us the ropes, and I think that we really learned from them. And once they graduated, we realized that it was our time to show others the ropes. So I think our newcomers, uh, we've really done a great job of just welcoming them and um, our out-of-state people just making sure that this is their home and really showing them around campus, making sure, you know, that they got to their classes the first week and if they're homesick, like just being that person that they can rely on. And I think for the new people, they've done the same for us. And on the flip side of it, they have come in and really challenged us and pushed us um, to the highest that we could be and just push us in each position to be that better person. And uh, speaking from the pitching side of it, um, we've had a lot of familiar faces and a lot of new faces, um, but they've come in and they've done their thing and, what's been required for them and they've really pushed us and helped um, us become better and challenging us to be better each and every day. Let's talk about what got you interested as you were growing up. What what made you decide and got interested in, hey, I want to play softball and I want to be a softball pitcher? Well, this is a funny story, actually. When I was five years old, I was trying out for Little League. Um, And I was super nervous to step up to the plate and, you know, try out for hitting, probably because I had to put a big helmet on. But um, I just remember standing in the on-deck circle, and a coach came up to me and just said um, that after they win, they would always go to Dairy Queen and celebrate. So ever since then, I have been playing softball because I was just waiting for the time that you could go to Dairy Queen to celebrate. (laughs) Wow, that's pretty good. I did not know that. Uh, that was a story. Uh, the story. So, as you started playing softball, did you have any players you looked up to or watched uh, to kind of either learn or kind of inspire you as you were playing? Or did you have any favorite athletes from that standpoint? Um, I would say I always looked up to Jenny Finch. Um, I love what she does as a person. Um, for me, like I know it's more than just softball. So, just watching her and growing up with her. Um, watching her she you can just tell she's more than softball and she 
she know she knows the game and knows how to um, really just challenge herself in her own way. As you were kind of going playing in high school and then travel ball there, and you were beginning the process uh, to decide which college you were going to, what was it about UCF that stood out to you uh, and, and said, this is the place for me? Well, I came from a graduating class of 52 from high school, and I had always told my mom, you know, um, the bigger the better. Like, I don't want to go to a little school necessarily because that's all I have ed- I had ever known. Um, so I just kept saying, you know, um, the bigger the better. And when I stepped on campus, I had that Im- immediate feeling, and I turned around to my family, and I was like, this is my home. This is it. And it's just the amazing atmosphere and the campus around and the coaching staff um, really just welcomed you with open arms. And I live in Tampa, as you know, so two hours away, like it's that perfect distance to, to go home and reset, but it's far enough to be, you know, living the college life and achieving the goals that was set. You mentioned your parents. Obviously, you have a tight family. It supported you, and, and as any any parent that supports their player that, uh, that plays softball, it's a commitment, traveling, and everything. Talk about the, the support you've had from your parents, and I'm curious, which traits do you think you've picked up as far as either from your mom or your dad as far as your either your personality or your type of game there? Because I know they're getting very involved. I'm always fascinated. Either one of them has to be the calm influence one where maybe the other one is more stressed out. Maybe they're both stressed out. Who knows? It's, it could be a combination when they're in the, in the outside watching you play. But just talk about that process and having that support staff around you with your family. Uh, my family is the closest thing to me. I'm super close to them, and I definitely wouldn't be where I am today without them. I would definitely say that they're both pretty calm, honestly, um, because they know how hard I am on myself. So they know that they need to be the calming factor for me to – that they just need to be there for me and calm me down in that aspect. Um, I definitely think – I don't know. That's a hard question. I would say that I get my competitiveness from – from my mom, I would say. And I definitely get my heart on myself from my dad. Um, but I definitely think that they're both calming to me after a game. And they just um, really emphasize just being happy and doing what I love to do. And they're just my huge support system. And they just want to be there for me in the end. Now, usually with the seniors, as we get towards the end of the year, the parents throw out first pitches. Usually, I think you've seen it over uh, over the years since you've been here. Who who who's the more who are you more confident that can throw a strike if they had to uh, to call throw a pitch? Your mom or your dad? Um, I would have to say my mom. My mom actually used to play slow pitch softball. Ooh, so, I didn't know that. Really? Yes, and she yeah she was she was a big deal back in her day, um, but. I would hope that she chooses to throw out the first pitch just so everyone can see her her great uh, slow pitch skills. Wait a minute. I did not know this. I've known your mom now all this time. This has not been brought up ever before. This is breaking news here. How did, I don't know how she, this has never been come up before, but I didn't know she pitched. Uh, does she, like, give input as far as your, when you're pitching afterwards? Does she give you feedback at all, or does she try to stay away? Um, I wouldn't say she tries to stay away, but I definitely think – her type of pitching and my type of pitching is way different. Um, but um, 
I think it's awesome that I get to see the picture and I get to not necessarily follow in her footsteps, but I definitely um, am grateful that she used to do the same thing and that I get to do the same thing as she does. Once you knew you were coming to UCF, uh, I don't know. Did you ever watch Mackenzie Otis or Shelby Turnier pitch since, you know, during your recruiting trip or maybe your visits, things like that? Uh, and if you did, what stood out about them? Because obviously you've seen them, what they've accomplished here. You've seen them at the wall inside the – for people that don't know, inside the softball uh, – they're right prior to the, the locker room. There's a wall there with all the great night players, and Shelby's there, Mackenzie's there. Allison Kimes there, who was inducted into the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame. She's at the wall. but So you know all about the great pitchers that have been here. But McKenzie and Shelby specifically, did you see them? What stood out? Because I remember, I think you told me about two, three years ago that you did see them play. And you kind of, you always envisioned yourself as they were pitching what it would be like to be in that spot as you were getting prepared to come here. Correct. I definitely watched them play uh, multiple games. Um, and... I could see myself in their in their shoes as well. They're both great um, players and great pitchers, and both different, but they both have that competitive spirit that I think I have the same. Um, and I think it's awesome that I get to follow in their footsteps. And just um, they're great people, and I think that I just remember Shelby talked to us. Um, earlier last year and she just always talked about having great poise and that confidence that you need and just trusting your stuff and then I remember Mackenzie telling me when I committed um such a great great person um and she just told me hey get after it I want you to break my records that I have set here and I just think that's such a such an honor for her to say something like that to me and I think it's um such a great experience for um, me to be able to follow in her foot in their both of their footsteps and I am so lucky to um, be able to leave my own legacy following them and what and, and that tell speaks to you know coming back and always kind of being free to give input and and do you feel it's kind of like a sisterhood there there's a special bond there right because you all can relate you've all been in those situations positive negative ups and downs that comes with life as a pitcher and here you are you know pitchers from the past coming giving you feedback and advice uh, I remember you and I were eating uh, was after uh, I think it was when the 08 team got honored and Allison who's very intense person as you saw uh, I would know I know her very well she's very intense and you asked her about like how many you know throwing so many innings how do you do it she's like I just figured it out I just do it but that was her that's kind of every pitcher who has their own unique dynamic personality that maybe to some on the outside might find uh, unique but that's what you have to be as a pitcher right right you definitely have to be unique and you definitely have to I mean just like she said you just do it and that's definitely kind of the mindset that you you have to have and um I definitely it was kind of took me by surprise from her answer but knowing that's how she is and learning as we kept talking um She's right. You just do it, and you just do whatever you need to do for the team um, that you're playing for. I know you don't look, you don't care about the numbers. You want to win. That's the most important goal, obviously. But you are, like I mentioned, you're at the top of a lot of these pitching catchers. You're at the uh, at, at the special. What does that mean to you as far as being in that realm with those with McKenzie and Shelby and Allison there, and leaving that mark like you've talked about for the next? You know, you're going to pass the torch here. So either Bree and G and, and the rest of the staff moving forward and continuing that legacy, and I would assume you'll be coming back and giving them input and advice down the road. 
it's a complete honor to be um, just in in the names with them. Honestly, just putting my name next to theirs um, is completely unbelievable, and I did not expect it. And I'm so grateful to just be honored right next to their names. Um, they've taught me so much, and um, just their little bits of advice just is so helpful. And I throughout my four years here it's helped me um tremendously just taking their little bits of advice and and running with it um and as far as passing the torch on to um the rest of the pitching staff i think um they'll be in great hands and i hope that um i've left the legacy and a and a good role model for them to just um keep going and keep pushing and working hard throughout the next upcoming years. Last thing before I let you go, what's going to be the keys for the for you guys to accomplish your goals internally and this team? You've been through the, the battles now. You know the, the, the league is tough, as always, uh, with teams like South Florida and Georgina Cork, who's a great pitcher in her own right. Uh, you got Wichita State. You got all these teams. You got a great non-conference schedule and all that. But what's going to be the keys, as you tell the players, uh, as, as we get set for the start of the season, to be all successful here for, for the 2020 team? To be successful this 2020 season I think it honestly starts with us I mean we just got to believe in ourselves and we have to just focus on the now and be present and focus and go game by game um do the little things right stick to the plan and just believing in ourselves knowing we can do it and just really um push through it and lean on each other when it gets hard because there's going to be some some ups and there's going to be some downs and it's just how we bounce back and just keep trucking along honestly that's a white senior gets get going for the nights this season Aaliyah, appreciate you uh taking the time i'm not going to ask you about what you want to do after softball because i don't want to think about that yet so i'm just going to enjoy uh each game you get to play so uh good to catch up with you i'll see you out there at the complex and uh we'll, we'll talk soon all right thank you so much good night <laughs> All right, that was Aaliyah White. Great to catch up with her before her senior year. Uh, Jeff I can't Ray, believe senior. she's a senior, man. <laughs> if, if she was, she was a freshman racking up all those innings like yeah. five minutes ago. It's kind of weird. It's been, been an interesting journey, ironically enough, for her. When you go back to her freshman year, because of some injuries and stuff with the staff, she had to, as you mentioned, pretty much throw every game. Really, the first two years, the first two years of her career, she basically threw almost every game because of injuries and things like that. Whereas it's ironic that here in her final year, she'll have maybe the most complete staff, the deepest staff she'll ever have. So I don't think she'll have to carry the load like she had maybe the first couple of years. But such a smart kid, a sponge for the game, the knowledge, learning about the game. And you heard it was great to hear her talk about the advice that she got from Shelby Turnier and Mackenzie Otis and, and Allison Kime. And, you know, Jeffrey, I mean, you talk about all the UCF sports, you talk about the UCF softball pitcher. I think to me it's one of the most recognizable positions when you think of a UCF teams, right? Like I don't know what's what what I don't know when when you think UCF football, I don't know, do people think quarterback first? Do they think cornerback maybe because of the success in the NFL? Uh, you know, I you would know, say you know, I would say DB and wide receiver because yeah, of the NFL yeah. success. I, I'd say I would say out I would say that that would be sort of a premier position. Uh for UCF basketball, I think it would be point guard. Um, maybe, yeah, yeah high some, standard, but you know, I, I, maybe where you're judged against your peer, the players from before. Um, you could argue maybe even the goalkeeper at soccer, women's soccer, with uh, with great goalkeeping they've had. With their that's history, probably maybe the best example when you think about it. 
Yeah, a high standard there. I don't know if volley, uh, you follow volleyball closer than I do. I don't know if there's a position in volleyball that stand, that there's a high standard where people think, okay, what's the standard? And I think, it, you know, softball, it's pitcher. Uh, I, over the years, every year, when cat fans come up to me, they ask me, how is the pitcher? You know, that that's the position. That's the player that usually transcends the program, right? The people that don't follow the program closely, they identify UCF with pitching. And it's, you know, it goes back to when you covered Dottie Cup. She was yeah. the first one, the original, going to Lindsey Enders, who won the uh, A-Sun Championship yeah. in 05, going to Allison Kime. Yeah. But going back to that first year when it was Dottie and uh, Paisha Simmons, too. I mean, we Paisha forget, Simmons, we forget Paisha, too. Yeah. game in program history, yeah. Um, you know, and then Kime, who just got inducted into the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame, leading him to the 08 CUSA Championship into the tournament. And then, obviously, Mackenzie Otis and Shelby Turney are taking it to the next level. And here's Aliyah being recruited, watching them set the standard, even setting the bar higher. Yeah. Watching him as a recruit. I mean, and that's tough, but I think she's handled it very well. And I think the beauty is she's embraced it. And I think she's just as eager to show the staff behind her, hey, this is the, the standard here at UCF. I'm a pitcher and what it's like. And to carry that mental moving forward. And, you know, I'm excited for her. She's in the top five in just about every significant offense uh, pitching category, excuse me. Um, has a chance to break some of these records. And most notably, the wins record. She's currently at 66, 14 behind Shelby Turnier at 80, Mackenzie Otis 78, Allison Kime 71. I mean, if she, you know, getting to that, that's a pretty good group to be around. And, uh, you know, she's left her legacy here. She's got one more year, which is exciting because historically, UCF pitchers in their senior year go out on a bang. Uh, think back to Kime 08, Enders 05, Otis in 2015. Uh, even Shelby, even though it wasn't her best year compared to 15, 2016 was a pretty good year for Shelby, letting him to the NCAA tournament. And I think that's kind of the year I expect from Aaliyah. And, and, and it's going to be exciting to see her pitch and play and, uh, and that intensity and the passion that she brings to the game. And I'm excited for her what's behind her. I mean, you got Brianna Vasquez, who's the number two last year freshman, was taught by Tony Paisley, who's a former three-time uh, CUSA Pitcher of the Year. East Carolina was a fit was a rival of Kime and, and Angel Shamblin back in the day in Conference USA. I expect her to be really better, especially with the rival of Gianna Mancha, who has won re has pitched in regional games, Jeffrey. And you heard Coach Bear earlier with her and Justine Molina, two of the three boy players from Boise State transferring to UCF, bringing that postseason experience and, and knowing how to, you know, winning a conference championship, I think will help Aliyah and will help this group in, in, in good times and bad times, as there is always in softball, ups and downs, and maybe help them get over the hump. So I'm excited to see this pitching staff and how they complement each other throughout the season. They're going to have to with a tremendous schedule. Yeah, and uh, by the way, I, I'm glad you brought up Brianna Vasquez because I thought she was such a uh, yeah. a tremendous find last year. And as a freshman, you know, was, was third-team all-region, and – you know, that's the kind of arm that I, I, you know, you saw it. I mean, we really haven't had too much of that since uh, since Mackenzie Otis and, uh, and Shelby Turner, where you have that one-two punch. And I think that, you know, because one is going to definitely relieve the other, not in terms of being a relief pitcher, although we might see that, but just taking a little bit of pressure off of Aaliyah, having a pitcher of the quality of Brianna Vasquez in her second season, I think is going to be a tremendous boost for UCF. Well, I'll go a step further. It might be the first time in a long time we have a one-two-three punch. Because I'm telling you, Gianna's legit. 
Uh, and I think it gives them a lot of different options. you you got to have three arms. Uh, I, I would not be surprised when we get to conference play and weekend series, you know, that they go the baseball route where you have a Friday night, a Saturday, and a Sunday starter. And then the other pitchers will be available in relief. Uh, that's and, and I'm you know those are just the three of them up there. I mean, we're not even talking about the rest of the staff uh, that uh, on this t- pitching staff. That's the thing that's interesting about this. You know, as, as dominant as Mack and Shelby in 2015, they didn't really have a number three that year. Uh, you didn't need one, quite honestly. In fairness, right. <laughs> yeah, Mack and Shelby took every game. But you know, I go back. You know, when Allison was pitching, you know, I mean, Ashley Cole was too young. They didn't have a, a strong number two. We've always wondered, do you have a number two? And then Mack and Shelby were a one-two punch and now i think potentially they could have a one-two-three punch which should keep every pitcher fresh and and then today's softball with the technology it's harder to throw the same pitcher against the same team over and over and over again without being wear down uh, you know wearing down so um that's the thing i'm fascinated to see uh with gianna on board to go along with brianna who i agree with you had a really quietly a great freshman year and now all of a sudden hey you know, we're going to, you know, it, we're, it's raise our game a little bit. I think this pitching staff, once again, will have a chance to be the best in the America, uh, in the league. Uh, the only one that I think could be just as good as South Florida because they got Georgina Korik, who's a two, the reigning two-time pitcher of the year winner. But I don't know if USF has the depth pitching that UCF does, but I think those are the two best pitching staffs as we get into the league play. But um, I'm excited to see this staff, and I think this staff, once again, I think the expectations are high that, They will be among the best in the country once again, like they were last year. Let me ask you real quick before we get to the schedule about the league um, itself. Obviously, you mentioned last year USF uh, won it 17 and four overall, uh, or or, excuse me, 17 and four in the American, 41 wins overall last year, uh, followed by Tulsa, who is a game behind them, and then there was a gap: Houston, Wichita State, and then UCF. Uh, followed by UConn, who will be in their final league uh, year in the league. ECU and Memphis kind of bringing up the rear. It's really a five. Is really a two and three team race. What are we expecting from uh, out of the American um, this year? It, it, how's it, how's the conference looking in terms of its standing nationally, and uh, who are going to be the top competitors coming out of it this year? Well, South Florida is the preseason favorite, as they should. They return Horick, who is the best, uh, the two time pitcher of the year, as I mentioned. They got some returning position players like Anna Marie Bruni, uh, among others. They're the favorites there. They've won it the last two seasons, the regular season. The interesting thing is, though, this league this year has kind of got some interesting, quirky storylines because Ken Erickson, who's the longtime head coach of South Florida, will not be coaching the Bulls this year. He's taking a leave of absence because of his commitment to the U.S. Olympic team. Yeah. So his longtime assistant, Jessica Moore, will be the interim head coach this year. Now, the good news for them is they're used to this. They're used to Ken being away. Uh, so the players, I think, will be fine. But it's going to be interesting no, with no Ken in the dugout. and You know, you got Jessica Moore there and then Coach Santiago, who they brought in. How does that affect them during game time and then during the season? So I think that's fascinating. Uh, Wichita State, I think, is a team to watch. They returned their best player, Bailey Lang, who's a two-way player, was hurt last year in the opening weekend at Louisiana Tech, was sliding to second base and, turned, and, and injured her foot. Um, she should be back, and if she's back to what she was two years ago, I think Wichita State is a definitely threat. They have a tremendous offense. Madison Perrigan, the catcher, Riley Buck, they have a tremendous offense. Their stadium is a – it's like Coors Field, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and, and softball, that ball just flies out of there on a pop-up when the wind is blowing out. I mean, it's insane. Uh, 
uh, which, you know, that's going to be tough. So I think they're in the team there. Tulsa, which has been a perennial contender, uh, John Barfield, their longtime head coach, resigned after the they lost in the regionals in Stillwater and ended up being the assistant coach at Oklahoma State. Uh, we still don't know what happened there, but he just decided to re uh, resign and then ended up at Oklahoma State. So Chrissy Strimple, who's been his longtime assistant, was an associate coach at Tulsa, gets promoted. But how does that ask? You know, how does that dynamic work with a first-year head coach in Strimple, a Tulsa team that loses Julia Hollingsworth, has some youth offensively, some bats they got to replace. They got a young, dynamic pitcher in Dents, but they might take a step back. And then the rest of the league, I think there's a lot of question marks. These Carolina, uh, you know, they haven't, they've gotten good recruits, but they haven't put it together there with Pepin and company. Memphis kind of was in a rebuild mode uh, last year. Houston, which, which is a win away from the Super Regional last year, they lost a lot of personnel, in particular Savannah Hebner, uh, their ace pitcher. They literally re returned no innings of experience. Pitching. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> they have, so Coach Vesley and company, it's the youngest pitching staff in the league. They might take some lumps early here. They could be a rebuild year there, although they got some nice position players uh, for sure. But they got major questions pitching-wise. And then UConn, UConn's got some nice arms. They got some decent, you know, bats, but – uh, they just don't match up well against certain teams. But they've got that weather advantage sometimes. <laughs> they do, and that's, unfortunately, UCF does have to go to UConn in April, which we'll get into. So, uh, but I think this league, which has been quietly a top six league in the sport of softball, and it's now the last two years been more consistent uh, as far as getting teams into the field of 64. They had three teams last year in the tournament with South Florida and uh, Tulsa there, and of course you had Houston, who was the win away, as I mentioned. Last year, and then the two years ago, you had four teams in the field when you included Wichita State uh, in that field. So this is a three to four bid league, and I think it's the same again this year. And UCF, as I mentioned, they've been close. They've been close. They've been on the outside looking in, uh, maybe a couple wins away or a loss or two away from, you know, a bad loss away from being in the field. Um, that's, I think, where we're looking at for the league, a three to four bid league. And I think for UCF is – you know, we, let's talk quick before we get into the schedule about some of the new faces. You got a Maddie Bejarano, a freshman who's obviously related to Haley Bejarano. Uh, I think she's going to contribute to this offense uh, for sure. Juliana Wilson's a name to keep in mind. Big freshman there. Uh, whether she's catching first base or DP, whatever role, I think she'll contribute to this offense. Justine Molina, the other transfer I talked to Coach Bear in this interview about. I think she'll be playing at second base a lot. I think she comes from Boise State experience. She's going to be a big, I think, contributor and a key factor. Jada Cody. This is a young freshman class that's coming in that's pretty darn talented. Uh, Cody's a kid that could very athletic uh, freshman out of Marietta, California. Uh, that could be a could be a big factor there in the infield. Georgia Blair, who just transferred, uh, has played on the junior Australian national team. Has played on the national Australian team. A transfer. She, uh, she's got a nice. I've talked to people. Has a nice bat, a big power bat. She could be a real power bat. I have a feeling they're going to find somewhere to play her, whether it be first base, third base, wherever. They're going to find somewhere for her uh, in there. And then a young freshman from Coral Springs, Florida, Shannon Doherty. Not no, no, not the actress. Let's let's get that out. Not of that way. Shannon Doherty. No, no. I asked her and her mom about it. And her they they did. You could tell. Jeffrey, when I asked her, that, that the eyes were rolling like... I know, yeah. I mean, there's no way to avoid it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Shannon, the name is dispelled differently there. It's Irish, the Doherty, so... But she's got tremendous talent. 
you got a returner like Demary Cannon who's good. I mean, they've got a lot of options, Jeffrey. It's going to be interesting to see how Coach Bear puts all of this in, in motion. And I think it's going to come down to does these young players, how quickly do they adjust to the Division One level that they're going to see? Could be the difference between this team maybe winning the league uh, and being the tournament team or, once again, maybe being left out. I mean, it's going to be really fun and exciting to see them and how these all fit on the field and who steps in and steps up. And uh, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna have to be ready from the get-go because they got a great, challenging schedule. Right. So let's talk about that real quick before we go. The, uh, the season starts this Thursday uh, with the Black and Gold uh, Tournament. The Knights play uh, a game on Thursday against Indiana. Here's who's going to be in town for this tournament. The Knights have two games against Indiana, Thursday and Friday. They got Clemson and Duke on Saturday. Duke again on Sunday, followed by a game against St. John's. Uh, and then they also welcome number one ranked Washington next Wednesday, uh, February 12th, uh, to UCF um, in a game that's no doubt uh, uh, something to help out. I, I, I think Coach Bear, considering that her old coach is actually there over, over at Washington. Anyway. Um, yeah, Heather Tarr. Yeah, Heather Tarr, that's right. So um, a lot of good teams on the schedule in these preseason tournaments in this phase of the schedule. Iowa State, Villanova, FAU, and the Knights Classic. Uh, Tennessee and FIU come in. Florida State, they're at, or they're at Florida State. Excuse me. Uh, Tennessee and Florida International, they're playing them at the USF tournament. My bad. But um, they're at Florida State uh, in Tallahassee at the end of the month. Uh, and, and then, of course, they go. They do make their trip out west to California, Long Beach State tournament, uh, to play uh, another murderer's row. Michigan, UCLA, Cal State Fullerton, Long Beach State, San Diego State, Minnesota. Um, and then a couple more games out in California before uh, before they play Mississippi in Mississippi on the way back from there. Hold it, yeah. Uh, and, and then uh, and then conference play starts on March the twentieth. The, this schedule is like did uh, did Coach Bear consult uh, Coach uh, Tiffany Roberts Sahadak from women's soccer on this schedule because this is brutal. Uh, she said either she's the smartest person or or was a little you know wild there. Um, let me give you a stat. Can help out the RPI, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, there's no question. I mean, this will be an easily a top a top 25 ranked schedule. You know, and that's one of the things that they will not miss the NCAA tournament because of a non a weak non conference schedule. That's the understatement. I mean, that, that, this is incredible. Couple things here. You mentioned the opening weekend. A little history in the NCAA softball this weekend. Clemson is in their first year. In softball, this will be their first weekend as a division uh, playing Division One softball. They, they this is their first year of existence. That's this so is a really late, interesting. Yes, they, they finally invested in softball. Uh, from what I have been told, talking to the people at Clemson, they've built an incredible, gorgeous stadium at Clemson. John Rittman is the head coach at Clemson. John Rittman was a longtime head coach at Stanford, co- uh, coached and recruited Jessica Mendoza, who obviously of uh, his ESPN fame was a four-time yeah. All-American Olympian at Stanford and was in his uh, caught Coach Bear, Sidney Ball Malone, when she was a player back in the day uh, in high school. They were in the same high school together. Uh, so Rittman knows all the uh, people there. Obviously, even Ramona Shelbourne, the NBA writer for Stanford. So he took over this. He, he was tired to, to, to built this Clemson program from scratch. So they're going to play their first game ever uh, this weekend here at UCF. So if you want to see some history – come out to the tournament for that uh, as well and UCF will get a chance to play them obviously during the weekend. I'll give you this stat I, I mentioned in the opening night, uh, opening day dinner. UCF Jeffrey is the only school, the only team in the country that is scheduled the, has in their schedule the following 
the ACC tournament champions, mm-hmm. Florida, which is Florida State, the SEC tournament champions, which is the Florida Gators, they come here, mm-hmm. the Big Ten regular season and tournament champions, the Michigan Wolverines, who they will play, in the, as you mentioned, up there in California. All right? <laughs> and then... <laughs> Not one, but both Pac-12 champions, the co-champions in the in the season last year, because the Pac-12 does not have a tournament. UCLA, who, by the way, went on to win the national championship. And then right. Washington, who, as you mentioned, will come here February 12th. That's the second Pac-12 team ever to play at the UCF softball complex, by the way. And they will be the third number one, if they, assuming they take care of business opening weekend, they will be the number one ranked team in the country coming in this weekend, uh, that, that, that night to UCF. Wow. That's all in UCF schedule. No other program could say that on their schedule. That's not even including a mat. The, they have Minnesota on the schedule, who made it to the Women's College World Series last year with Amber Pfizer and company. That's not mentioning Cal State Fullerton, who you mentioned, who won the Big West last year. St. John's, who's here this weekend, they won the Big East regular season champion. So my point is, um, that she that they. Uh, Coach Bear is taking the schedule, and UCF's always played a tough schedule, but she's taking it to a different level. I mean, Tennessee, a top 12 team, a top program in the country. She'll play them in Tampa, as you mentioned. Even Iowa State, they won the NI, uh, they played in the, uh, the the NIT version of softball and uh, I think won the league, that tournament. If not, they finished runner-up, but they've got an up-and-coming program. So it's, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing that schedule, just to read it off. But it's going to get them ready for conference play and I think that's the the belief that they have and again it goes back to the depth that they've built that with the deep pitching staff and the deep uh, roster they can overcome that type of schedule and look if you play some of those games you get some of those wins that's going to be huge for the RPI and for your resume to get back into the NCAA tournament and if you were to, if you're able to win the league and win some of those games in the non-conference that might put you in position to even dare I say it host um, although it's, that's foreign to softball <laughs> committees sometimes. Um, I mean, we're not even including that three-game series at Ole Miss, which you mentioned, which, by the way, the interim head coach at Ole Miss, because Mike Smith uh, the uh, was the head coach at Ole Miss, parted ways with them in December. The interim head coach at Ole Miss, Ruben Felix, who was yeah. here at UCF, 2011 to 2014. Plenty of storylines throughout the year with this schedule. As I mentioned, Washington, you know, Heather Tarr coming here with the Huskies. Utah was the other Pac-12 team, for those that, before you tweet us, Utah was the first Pac-12 team to play here at the Complex in 2016. No disrespect to Utah, but Washington is a legit, it's, that's the real Pac-12. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's, it's, oh, boy, Pac-12. shots fired. I'm just shots saying, fired in the circle, Eric. Softball, Woj, here we go. <laughs> remember in football when Missouri was here and it was, you know, it was built as the first SEC team to play at at, uh, at Spectrum Stadium, or at, and some of the fans kind of revolted. Oh, they're not a real SEC team, and th- eh, that's kind of the comparison I would have. But nonetheless, it's going to be big. It's going to be big. It's going to be packed, um, and, and it'll be exciting. But it'll get them ready before they start conference play. Which, by the way, they'll be March 20th at Wichita State. So they got to start on the road and then host Tulsa, and then they'll play at South Florida this year. They're the defending champions in Tampa. So challenging schedule, but. I think they're up for it, and they're excited about it, and that's why you come here, right? That's why you play these games. You you come out and play the very best, and, and one thing for sure, this team will uh, – anything they accomplish, they will have earned, and it will be interesting to see uh, how they fare. All right. Well, uh, again, the schedule starts uh, this Thursday, 
February 6th, yeah. uh, with the opener at 6 p.m. against uh, Indiana University. And it continues throughout the weekend. Game on Friday at 5.30 against Indiana. Saturday, that game against Clemson. Some history being made uh, at UCF as well with Clemson opening their softball program this year. Duke twice, Saturday and then Sunday, and then St. John's on Sunday as well, followed by next Wednesday. Washington coming to town, number one Washington. So we're going to find out real quick, aren't we, <laughs> where UCF softball yeah, how many um, may are stand. We playing, by the way? Uh, as of right teams. now, uh, let's yeah. see. I'm counting it. One, we got two, Washington. Yeah. Three, three. Florida State's three. Michigan's four. UCLA, five. Minnesota, six. Ole Miss, seven. Florida, Florida. eight. Uh, pretty good. Yeah, eight. That's pretty good. 32% of the preseason top 25 is on the schedule. Notwithstanding the quality within the conference itself, obviously, you know, you right. talked about having to go to Houston. The, some of the home games should be pretty good with ECU Memphis coming in. But, man, that's that's going to be tough going to UConn, to South Florida, to Houston, uh, to Wichita. Um, that's that's it, it, it's it, If you thought it was tough, like you said, at a conference, it's going to be tough in conference, too, oh, as one of those road right. series. The, so. UConn, the good news is it's our last trip ever to UConn, so don't have to deal <laughs> with that weather up there anymore. Um, and that's so that's early April, so so the weather's going to be a roll of the dice too. We don't know Fingers what it's going to be like for up that. There. Fingers crossed. By the way, the Houston series to end the regular season May first through the third. The Saturday game on May second will be nationally televised on ESPNU. All right. So, uh, that that was announced on Tuesday, and then of course remember UCF will host the American Conference Championship May seventh through the ninth, single elimination. And the Saturday championship game will yeah. be on ESPN. Yeah, you know how ESPN. I feel I about that. You know how I feel about single elimination, but all right. I understand. At least we're hosting it. Hey, let's hope we just get True. it in. Last year, they did not complete the uh, the tournament last year in Houston because of rain. So Yeah, well, uh, at the very least, it's going to be it, – it, There's a. <laughs> I'm always amazed at this schedule because it's the busiest schedule that there is out of all the sports. I really believe that. Um but we're going to find out again know, real quick where this team stands. in a matter of what? Uh, four days this weekend. I know. Rest up. All right. Let me let you go. Eric Lopez <laughs> yeah, right. joining us here on the on our special edition of the UC, uh, of the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, our softball preview edition. Remember, you can hear Eric call him play-by-play for UCF softball all throughout the season uh, on UCFnights.com. Uh, you can also follow us at UCF underscore Banneret. We will have softball coverage throughout the year. We got to bring back the uh, the uh, three stars, Eric, uh, for the spring because oh, we got yeah, the spring spring break, sports yeah. firing up. Yeah, we had the little break. We'll bring back Brian Murphy back on the podcast. Yes, uh, we'll have our regular episode on uh, coming out on Thursday morning, as usual, where we talk about everything else, and we will also preview baseball next week because they start yeah. uh, they start playing oh, next yeah. week. That's with why Murph. Murph's not here; he's prepping for the baseball preview show and dissecting the Mookie Betts trade, blockbuster trade to the Dodgers. So that's why he uh, unfortunately was not available for this special edition. So this is kind of like, it's ironic, Jeff. It's our 200th edition. It's like old school. It's like uh, going back to the day when you and I started this podcast. Right. It was originally just you and me. And then Murph came on and then we had a bunch of other guests as well. And um, and now, and the, and the, the ride continues. But, uh, but yeah, this has been, uh, it's been a great, congratulations, Eric Lopez, 200 shows. We did it, man. Let's hear, let, how, here's, here's the 200 more. Hey man, I'm stunned we made it to 200. We didn't, it's good. We, got, we made it went through by, 200, we survived. Went by fast. So, yeah. all right, we'll be back with show number 201 later 
this week here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com, UCF underscore banneret on Twitter, facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret. For Eric Lopez, I'm Jeff Sharon. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you later on this week.